0: When Aaron phoned me up and said, Would I speak today? My in the flesh, my initial reaction was, Oh my golly, I don't know if I can do this. But my very dear friend Hilary Willis said, Ali, you're speaking about people in your life. Just imagine that you're with your friends and you've got your cup of coffee in hand, and if ever you meet with me, it's cup of coffee and cake. So I just thought, okay, rather than think I'm speaking to the whole church today, I'm going to look, many of you are my friends anyway, that I already know really well. Some of you are people I would love to get to know better as friends, because I just love people. And that's what you're going to hear about today. So Aaron said to me, would I just share my story? So here goes. Um... Many of you know me. I've been part of this church since the year 2000. I was born and brought up in Exeter. I had the privilege of being born into a very secure, loving Christian family. Many of you know my wonderful mum, Shirley Clear, who's very much part of this church as well. (laughs) Mum has been a real inspiration to me throughout the years. very challenging as well when I haven't been quite walking the way of God. Um, but my, my, my upbringing was in St. Thomas Methodist Church. John and Angela and I were all kids in a junior choir together, all those many years ago. And I always loved being part of everything. I was always busy. I was in the Brownies, I was in the Guides, I was in the Sunday School, I was in the junior choir. I've always loved being with people and making friends. And as a, a child and a teenager, I always, always had a dream that I either wanted to be a teacher or a social worker, because I love kids, and I've always wanted to help people. I always hope that I'd get married, and I always hope that I'd have lots of kids. And Jeremiah 29 verse 11 reminds us, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. And God also says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, God knows and sees our hearts, but I've come to realize over the years that his ways are not our ways. They're so much bigger, they're so much better if, and this is it, if we allow him to guide us and we are prepared to surrender our wills to him. And this has actually taken me quite a lot of time to grasp and understand. So in my teenage years, it was back in the day when we had grammar schools, and I was always very shocked that I got into the all-girls grammar school. But one of the things... Angela and I were there together. um, But one of the things I battled with all the way through school, I loved school, but I never felt clever enough. And so I put myself under amazing pressure Um, O-levels in those days. Do any of you remember O-levels? Thank you, a few of us. Immediately after my O-levels, and lots of you won't know this, I actually had an anxiety breakdown, and for four months at the age of 16, having been the life and soul of the party, I couldn't leave my home. And I missed the first term of Exeter College, which meant I had a lot of catching up to do. I had to go along to see a psychiatrist, I had to go along and see a psychologist, And um, it took me a while to come through that, being able to leave my home. It meant I ended up with two A-levels, but I wasn't quite enough to get into teacher training that I wanted to do, and I wasn't ready for it. But Boots the Chemist were incredible. They gave me the opportunity as a Saturday girl to train to become a supervisor and then go on to be a manager. And actually transferred me at the tender age of 20 to Taunton and at 22 up to Bromley in Kent and gave me the most phenomenal opportunity to be a sales floor manager. But God had to take me to Bromley to actually introduce me to his precious Holy Spirit. And that happened at the age of 23 and my life has never been the same since. I experienced love from my Heavenly Father in a way that I've never, never knew was possible, and saw miracles and incredible things happening in my life. Um, I just want to challenge you to allow others to speak into your life. Sometimes people see things in you that you don't see in yourselves And thank God for those people. And maybe there might be some of you in this room today that know through your life experience, it's not to do with age, it's to do with your life experience, that actually when you feel that little prompting inside to encourage somebody else, to disciple them, to come alongside of them. And God was amazing because I went through my management training, I became a manager, And then had the privilege of being married, Um, becoming a mum in 1986. I have an amazing, nearly 33-year-old son, hard to believe I know, (laughs) Um, but some of you won't know this. I went on to um, get 26 weeks in pregnancy with my daughter and had to go through a stillbirth at 26 weeks. She would have been 29 if she was alive now. And the year after that, my then-husband left me after quite an abusive marriage. So life wasn't as I planned it. But I've learned that as you trust your Heavenly Father, which I did, to strengthen me and give me the courage to overcome and forgive... And later I had to learn to let go of the shame because as a Christian I was never going to be divorced. That was really, really hard. Rachel Hickson helped me with that actually when she came a year or so ago. I even carried that shame for all those years and that disappointment and pain. And many of you might relate to some of what I've shared today. But I know again that as I've learned to surrender all to him, And truly pray, not my will, God, but yours be done, that he has incredible, incredible plans and purposes. So when Aaron said, I want you to speak on what is your purpose with the the people in your life, I have a very simple answer for me. God, I know, has called me to love people. It really is that simple. God has created us for his delight. He's put individual gifts and strengths within each of you for his purpose. So I want to ask you, many of you, do you know your purpose? Many of you do, and that's great. And I just say pursue it with all your heart. But if not, sometimes we complicate it. And we used to have an incredible guy in this church called Frank Bennett and he's moved on now to another church, but he introduced me to Living Your Strengths. He did a whole series on it, and that book's still available, and I found it really, really helpful in helping me highlight the things that God had put in me. So don't limit, it might be through a book, it might be through other people. So who are these people in my life? Well, I've got incredible blessing, that I've got incredible family, that most of the time we get on quite well. I've got many friends, many of you, who are sitting here this morning that I am just blessed beyond measure with. Um, Some who aren't with us any longer, dear John and Stella Ingram, that some of you will remember, the legacy, apart from their love and their passion for the Lord, was to actually give me their car. Just before John died, he gave me his car, and I'm still driving around in that car today. Margaret. Margaret is nearly 95 next month. And I know God still put me on her heart to go out and visit her, just as and when the prompting comes. For some of you, you might not think of people that often. And then if there's that little prompting, I really encourage you to, to just follow through with that. And as I look out on some incredible young people, you're all incredible, but some of the ones I don't know, but some of you I have known since that height, because although I never went on to have any more children of my own, I had a prophecy that God gave me that I will be like a mum or an auntie to lots and lots of people. And as I look out on some of you, the joy is unspeakable, and I mean that, having known you since you were that high, to see the incredible people you are and you're becoming is just mind-blowing. And I don't have to look after you all the time. <laughs> I can spend time, give you back. Absolutely fantastic. Um, something I wasn't expecting is when Sam left home to go to university, I felt a real prompting. I've only got a small house, but to have lodges. I've now had, over the last 13 years, 10 different lodges, three of which have said, Ali, we don't want to leave you unless we find someone that we fall in love with and you come to our wedding, three of them through this church. So I do have a lovely single girl living with me at the moment, but should any of you (laughs) bear that in mind, bear that in mind, there just seems to be something in the water. Um, So lodgers, that has brought in some incredible blessing into my life, incredible blessing. And then my job. I have been a support worker. I'm now working for Sanctuary Housing, so officially the the support need has to be Housing, but we get involved with so many other experiences in my job. And I see the challenges, as does Claire, of working with people who are homeless. They're often hopeless. They have lack of finance, maybe they're in or they're coming through abusive relationships, they're struggling in their parenting, they're on child protection with social services, they have huge mental health issues, and often addictions. And although I'm not openly allowed to share my faith, with sanctuary, with my clients, I look to Jesus every day for opportunities just to share his love. And Claire Hardwick led a little workshop the other day. And on the leaflet, it just says, How did Jesus show love? Because he's our example. He listened. He spent time with people. He affirmed them and he encouraged them. He spoke the truth and was prepared to challenge them. He gave responsibility to people, he didn't do it all for them. He instructed and he taught and he prayed. And all of these ways and qualities as his disciples, we too can demonstrate in our lives with the people that we meet, being available to people as God directs. So I just want to say don't limit the Holy Spirit's work because he's able to show us ways that we might not ever think of. Um, The wonderful George Willis, Hill's youngest, um, who I loved a bit. She's away this weekend. When she was going off to YWAM, she was doing some fundraising, and she printed some cards. And I felt really, really prompted to buy these. And when God showed me to give them to a client or give them to clients, I bought six. I've only given two out so far. But it's not a scripture. It's A.A. Milne and Winnie the Pooh. Many of you will have come across this. Always remember, you are braver than you believe. You are stronger than you seem and you are smarter than you think and I asked one of my clients today this week sorry if I could share without using her name because of confidentiality what happened when I gave her one of these cards and she is just thrilled to think that I'm going to speak to you as a church about her because she's someone that has had a very very tough life she stopped going to school because of lack of encouragement probably about the age of 12 so didn't learn to read and write well. She got pregnant at 15, wasn't able to have her child living with her, has now gone on to have another child. And when I gave her this, I've been working with her for some time, she burst into tears and she said, Ali, you are the first person that has helped me believe, truly believe in myself. And that's through George printing cards to go to YWAM." So I just want to encourage you, sometimes it's in the little things that can make a huge difference to people. So maybe some of you this morning need to be reminded just how valued and loved you are by Jesus. He died for you. That's how much he loves you. The devil wants to keep us doubting and lacking confidence and stepping out. But our God is greater. We sing that, our God is greater. So as we look to him, as we trust him, As we believe in who he says we are, not what the world says about us, who he says we are, we are precious to him, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, then we can live our lives with purpose, a passion for our calling, which brings unspeakable joy. So, Father God has no favorites, he loves all of us, he wants each one of us to live according to his purpose So as we seek him, he'll show us our purpose. He will equip us with all that we need to fulfill and be a delight for him. Thank you.
1: Sorry for the red light comes on at a certain point, and you think, Oh, Ali's out of time. There's going to be a trapdoor that's going to come, isn't it? Flash light. And I'm just looking at the guys, all going, I don't know, isn't it? You know. So if it goes to red, by the way, it's just like, No, it's not. It's nothing connected at all, isn't it? Ali, fantastic. Really appreciate you sharing. Um, and I just want to say, We appreciate who you are. The reason you're sharing is because of who you are. And that's the way. the way you've constantly shared that people matter. And, you know, the gospel actually is what you share with them, you know, and can be found in an AMIL quote. It can be found in the words of life that you speak over people, you know. And and it just, you know, there's more than just giving them a religious scripture that saves people's lives. You need to understand that. Uh, so we want to honor you. Thank you for sharing. You're a real presence in all of our lives. Uh, and also people who you meet on a daily basis. Okay, round two, ding, ding. You know, discovering your purpose in the place where you are, okay? One of the biggest lies of the devil is you need to look elsewhere to find your purpose, all right? The devil will tell you all the time, and the simple answer of today is, no, you need to look where you are today. Chris, come on, let's share that. Let's give him a round of applause. (laughs)
2: Good morning church. Oh, that's loud, isn't it? I was going to say, can you hear me at the back? I guess you probably can because that is quite loud. Um, the second thing I need to ask is, can you understand me? Because I'm from the cold grey north. Uh, some, some way away from here. Uh, but it's great to be asked to speak. Thank you very much this morning. And um, as Aaron said, I've been asked to speak on discover your purpose in the place where you are. Now, it's quite a big topic. So I'll try and keep it brief. And I I can only just about see Aaron there, so I trust he'll make it really clear when my 10 minutes are up. Is that right? Really clear. (laughs) Okay, so discover your purpose in your place, in your workplace. But it's transferable. It's not just your workplace. It's not just... Uh, it can be anywhere you are. It can be in church. It can be in, on the street. It could be wherever you find yourself. What is, so, but I've been asked to speak on what is your purpose at work. Well, work can mean different things to different people. To some people, it can be full-time employment. It can be uh, in a secular company. It can be uh, working, for instance, at St. Petrox. It can be working full-time for the church. It can be working full-time as, a, as an unpaid carer to those around but what is your purpose? What is our purpose through that work? I guess we also need to look at what are, what are our attitudes to work. I'm sorry, I keep, I, I'm, I'm used to walking around. What are our t- attitudes to work? Do we live to work or do we work to live? And I would suggest that if you subscribe to either of those polar opposites, then we're, we're probably missing a trick there. We're missing something. Are you living to work or working to live? There's something more. You might say, you don't understand. My job is really hard. It's really difficult. I, I really don't like what I'm doing. I'm persecuted. I'm hurt. Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. God knows where you are. He knows what you're doing, and he knows the place you're at. He really does. How do we discover our purpose in the place where we are? Well, John 9 verses 1 to 5. It says this, and it's talking about Jesus. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he went on to, we know the story, he He went on and he healed the guy who was born blind. He healed the man who was born blind. And that went on to be a a terrific testimony to those around in that day and age. The word spread far and wide. But to paraphrase verse 4, when he said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. For us, what does that mean for us? As long as we're alive, as long as we are breathing, as long as we're here, we are to do the work that the Father has for us to do. Amen, amen. And I want to share a little bit of a story, just a short testimony of of what happened to me a few years ago. And you know, I I have a I have what I would say is quite a good work ethic. I I, I like to do my very best. Aaron's laughing. Uh, Jackie's cringing. Um, I, I like I like to do my very best uh, all the time. I like to work to my best potential and and be honourable with the company I'm working for. And God said to me one day, He said, "You know, Chris, that's great. That's absolutely fine. That that is that is a good position of integrity to be in." And I thought, you know, that's great because I can shine God's light through my attitude at work, which we can, by the way, which we can. But He said to me. You know, you're so busy, you're missing everything else that I've got for you to do where you are. You're so busy doing what you're doing, you're missing my purpose through all of that. And that really shocked me, really shocked me. And uh, he took me on a journey uh, and he opened my eyes to the people around me in the workplace. And at the time, I was working about a mile uh, over near Broadclist, about a mile away from Broadclist. And we, I'm a construction engineer, by the way, we, we were building a, a new substation uh, for, for, to feed Exeter, electricity to Exeter. And he, God began to surround me with people who were sick, who were ill. And I, I often thought we, we shouldn't be building a substation, it should be a hospital. But he began to surround me with people who were sick. And uh, he challenged me to, to pray for them. He challenged me to, to go up to them and lay hands in the middle of a construction site. Now imagine that. Lay hands on them and and declare God's healing. It was nerve-wracking to start with. It was difficult to start with. But you know, the more I did it, the more I stepped out and prayed for people, the more I saw people getting healed. And there were people, there was a guy who um, had a motorcycle accident 20 years before. He had pins all the way up and down both of his legs. And uh, he was in constant pain through the day, through the night. He was instantly healed. There was a guy with a broken wrist who came into work one day with a plaster. He was instantly healed um, of of a broken wrist. And people with mental issues were healed instantly uh, because of what God was doing. And because I was making myself available to him. This isn't about me, by the way. This is all about God. Don't get the wrong idea, please. Um, But uh, as this happened, and, and probably over the course of that, year or two years, 60, 70 people were healed uh, and some were saved uh, through that. It's being available for what God wants us to do where we are, isn't it? You see, oh, was that the sign? No, that wasn't the sign. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You see, as I began as I began to take that stand, as I began to step out and, and realize that there's more than what I was just doing, the purpose that I was there began to be clear. Because I wasn't there for me. I wasn't there to work hard. I was there for, for God. Did it get easier? Not really. I mean, every time I was working for an organization, that every time I prayed for people, that if there was a complaint made because i offended them then that could have been a, a disciplinary action it could have been sacking you know it was it was that strict an atmosphere but do we do we do we listen to that really mm. you see see as a spiritual christian simply being in the workplace being being in the place of work we have the potential to change the atmosphere we have the potential to bring release we we have the potential to uh, Take light into dark places. Whether we realize it or not, or like it or not, and whether others realize it or not, we represent Jesus to them. In fact, to a lot of people, we may be the. This is a scary thought. We may be the closest thing that people have ever encountered to Jesus. What a responsibility! So I've learned, I've learned over the years, I'm actually not working for a secular employer. I'm not working for Morrisons. I'm not working for TMS, whoever it may be. I'm working full time for the Lord. And I get paid for the privilege by someone else. It's incredible. (laughs) I've also learned that there's a difference between, now listen carefully, there's a difference between role and purpose. There's a difference between the, the, the job that I am employed to do and the reason I'm there. Yeah, so so um, we, we need to be we need to be careful. We need to we need to think about this. We need to pray this through. We need to to look at where we are, and why God has positioned us there. I'm there to represent God before the people I come into contact with. I'm there to make an introduction, to introduce people to Him, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for me, that introduction really came through healing because I, I was—I um, used to tell people about God. I just still do. Don't get me wrong, but it was almost like, well, come on, show me. You tell me God is real. Show me. And people need to hear that. People need to see that God is real. And uh, you know, Jesus worked in signs and wonders and miracles. He worked in in the the prophetic. He worked in. In awesome ways, he raised the dead. Why can't we do that today? We can, through Christ, through him. You see, when I realized all this, it completely changed my attitude to work and in work. And, and it helped me to relate better because he developed that love for people within me. It helped me to relate better to people. Dare I say maybe I used to bludgeon with the Bible? maybe, but it's more caring to share, isn't it? It's caring to share God's love. So very quickly, just to wrap up, three simple transformational things that you can, you can pray every day, okay, which I guarantee, and the Lord will guarantee, will make a difference in your life. First one is this. Lord, take me deeper. Take me closer to you. Let me know your heart. Secondly, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart. for what breaks yours? I said, be careful before praying that prayer, okay? And the third one, Lord, every day anoint me for your service. So God will develop and he will re- reveal his purposes to us. And the more we allow him to work through us, the more our purposes will become aligned with his that's the, that's the awesome thing, isn't it? Our purpose has become aligned with his purposes, where we are. So for me, my purpose in the place that I am, it's being who God wants me to be, doing what he wants me to do, in the place he wants me to be. Amen. Amen.
1: Sorry for Fantastic. I just love the, um, I'm a construction engineer, but you know, what God uses in the workplace is to demonstrate his biological construction engineering skills, you know, when people, you know, because if you think what it takes for God to reconstruct someone's broken wrist, you know, and he uses a simple act of a prayer. So really good, really well shared, and some great thoughts of that. Are Are you motivated to look at your life and go, wow, I'm made for purpose, yes? Are you getting that? Well, we're not finished yet. We have got one more. It's not just the people uh, that we discover our purpose. It's not just the place. But it's in what we do. You know, the projects that God says, roll your sleeves up. This is what we're meant to do. And to do that, we've invited Richard Taylor to come
3: up. Come on, Rich, this is your moment. (laughs) So if you've ever bought a house, you will know the three most important things that are told to you are location, location, location. And in thinking of this subject how do we find our purpose in our projects, I want to suggest to you that the three most important things are vocation, vocation, vocation. That word comes from a Latin word which literally means to call, and we use it in English to describe something that is our passion, something we're good at, something that seems to be a good fit with who we are. And I want to just look at what God says about things. I want to play with this word vocation. So if God calls something sacred it can't be uh, something sacred, it can't be secular. If God calls something good, it can't be bad. And if God calls something blessed, it cannot be cursed. So we're going to look at those three things one at a time. First of all, God calls tasks and activities very good. You can move it on. So we're going to look in the book of Genesis. And here we see these three things we've been looking at today, actually. God blessed them. That's the people, Adam and Eve. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the earth god saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day the lord took god the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden that's his place to work it and to take care of it so adam now has a project so the man gave names to all the livestock the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. That's why he created another person to work with, which was Eve. When we read this account of creation, it's easy for us to say, yeah, God made mountains, they're they're very good. Seas are really good. Humans are really good. I love um, wildlife. All the creatures of the earth, they're very good. But there is something intangible there that God looks down on and says, this is very good. And it was that relationship between man and the earth... God could have created a leisure park where Adam didn't have to do anything at all. But God created Adam with a capacity to look after animals. God created Adam to sow seed, to reap um, the harvest that he had planted. And God creates every one of us with gifts and abilities. And he says, that in itself is really good. And what I have given you to do, those tasks and activities are very good. So therefore, work is a blessing and not the curse. I've heard it said in, in churches over the years, we only, we only work because Adam sinned, he screwed it up, and in the following chapter in Genesis 3, you see this, that um, weed comes and infests the earth, and therefore it was cursed. But this is a chapter before that. God says, this is really good. I've created you to take care of the birds and the land that I've given you. Work is a worthwhile expression of our abilities and desires. God created us with physical strengths to work with our hands. He created us with a mental facility to problem solve and come up with solutions. He created us with an emotional capacity to care for others. He created us with souls to create to be artistic. And he created us with an aesthetic appreciation of beauty. And it's through work that we find dignity, respect and satisfaction. So God says, whatever you're doing, think about your week, it is very good. What you're doing is good. And because it is very good, God empowers you with his Holy Spirit to do that. If I were to ask you, why does God fill you with the Holy Spirit? You'd say, well, I know from 1 Corinthians it's to give gifts to the church for stirring up, cheering up, blessing them. And I know from Acts chapter 2 it's to be witnesses, but the first mention of anybody being filled with the Holy Spirit is found way back in Exodus, and we've got it there for us. See, I have chosen Bezalel. I have filled him with a Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craft. I want to tell you today, God fills you with His Holy Spirit for the tasks, the activities, the projects that you are engaged in. Wow, that is awesome. That is quite an incredible thought that God fills you to do those with excellence. Think also of the life of Jesus. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, his voice is heard from heaven as he comes out of water. And it's the Father saying, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. That was God the Father's commentary on Jesus' life as a carpenter. He had never preached. He had never done any miracles. He hadn't gone touring the the towns and villages of Galilee. But the Father is pleased with your tasks and activities and your projects. Second one. God calls sacred all that he gives us to do. Well, you can say, you've heard me say that work is good, but surely some is better than others. And I've heard it said over years, there are some things that are sacred and some things that are secular. Um, A few years ago, I was working two days a week for a church on staff, and I was doing three days a week as a consultant. And some people would say to me, so you've got a secular job as well as your ministry. And I go, no, I have got a life And my life is sacred because all of it is lived for God. We've got to remove this secular, sacred divide from our mind and our vocabulary. It's really unhelpful to talk in that way and to think that way. Some are suspicious of projects that don't have a Christian banner or a church label. And I just want to address that for a moment. Because, as Chris said, his Holy Spirit lives in you and through you. Wherever you go becomes a sacred place. And we can have confidence and humility that the kingdom of God comes with us wherever we go and whatever we do. Whatever we do, therefore, becomes sacred. But the church over history has reinforced this false divide of clergy and laity, professional and amateur of secular and sacred. Jesus' view was expansive. He talks about um, the end of time when people will be gathered before him. And some people have done some things. They've, They've fed the hungry, they've clothed those who are naked, they've visited those who are in prison, they've healed those who are sick, and he welcomes them. And they're going, what, you're welcoming us? And they say, yeah. Jesus said, well, whatever you did for the least of those you have done to me. And that tells me that ordinary things, wherever you work and whatever you do, are sacred to God. They didn't realise they had done it. There was no church banner, there was no Christian label to it. His view... Of life is inclusive. There was a, an occasion where Jesus' disciples came really, really upset because somebody else was doing good works in Jesus' name. And he, he basically says, Calm down, calm down. My backstop position is this whoever is not against us is for us. And I find that really helpful. I'm involved in some projects. I, I work a, a consultant in the week with charities and social enterprises to help them grow. And I'm working with people who are doing all sorts of good stuff. And some of them are secular atheists, some of them are Muslims, but I'm going to get stuck in with them because they're doing kingdom work because the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, joy, and peace. They're doing right, they're bringing joy, they're bringing peace, and they're bringing hope. And that's my backstop position. If, no, if somebody is not against Jesus, then actually they're for him and I'm willing to get stuck in. So perhaps we can have that mindset as well. The third thing just under this that really brings it home to me to to describe that everything to God is sacred and all that we do is sacred is an an amazing account in the book of Acts. The Jewish leader of the time was Peter and he had this divide in his head. There's Jews and there's Gentiles, There's there's sacred and there's secular. And he couldn't get out of that trap of not going to the Gentiles until he had an amazing dream. So he's hungry And he's gone to sleep on the roof of a house. And God puts before him in a dream a picnic blanket. And it's got on this picnic blanket every living creature he's not allowed to touch and eat. And God says to him, get up, kill it and eat it. He said, no way, I'm not doing that. And God rebukes him. He says these amazing words. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. That is quite a remarkable statement and a challenge to us today. And it's because of Peter's obedience that he went. And through that metaphor, there was an understanding that Peter had to leave his Jewish roots and go to the Gentiles. Because God is sacred and everything he gives us to do is therefore sacred. There is no secular and sacred. And I think there's a challenge here. And I want you to think, have I turned away from doing things because they don't have a Christian label? Because I've labelled them secular. And God is saying very clearly to us, don't call anything impure. That I have made clean. He wants you to get stuck in, to roll your sleeves up and do His work. Last one, and I'll finish with this. "God calls us to do good works." It's a very familiar verse to many of us. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. "We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works." Oh gosh, I didn't know it was going to ring. Let me read that again. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are created by God to do good works, and those good works he calls very good. Those good works he calls sacred, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at home, whether it's in education, whether it's in the community, whether it's in the city. Howard Thurman says this, "'Don't ask what the world needs.'" Ask what makes you come alive and go and do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. You've got to find what makes you buzz, what makes you tick. Just go and do it. Get stuck in That is the way God has made you. That's reflected in Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work at it with your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So my work is worship. My rest is worship. My play is worship. Eric Liddell a runner from Chariots of Fire said this when I run I feel his pleasure when do you feel his pleasure go and do it, go and do that we've got three boys who happened to be in three consecutive years of university and one thing we said to them when they were choosing what to do was this go and do something you love because you do not want to have to motivate yourself when at uni, you don't want to take on debt for doing something that's going to be a slog and you just want to set yourself up as a springboard for the rest of your life, go and do it if you love it if you don't love it don't do it and we have got no expectations no pressure on you to take any particular career so there are three keys to discovering purpose in projects of vocation 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 god calls task and activities very good god calls sacred all he gives us to do and god calls us to do those good works